You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today we begin a new sermon series on the five hate languages. We need to learn how to not be hateful. Today we're looking at the hate language, words of defamation. We need to be careful with the words we choose. Thanks, listen, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you for that song, Trisha. It is the week of 4th of July. It comes on a Saturday this year, so it's hard to know when to celebrate it. Do we celebrate it the Sunday before or the Sunday after? But what a great way to start the week of the 4th of July with that song. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to look in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, first of all. Um, let me start today by saying, like Trisha shared in her song and in her words of encouragement before that. I'm proud to be an American. Aren't you proud to be an American too? We got a taste this year and we're still getting a taste of it, what it looks like not to have freedom. What it looks like to have freedom, not to gather, not to go to school, not to worship. But praise God for our soldiers. Thank God we live in the land of the free where we're getting back to being able to do that. I don't think there's another nation in the world as good as America, but it comes with the but this morning. I want to share with you that I believe with all my heart that America in 2020, America has a big problem. America has a problem, and I don't believe America's greatest problem right now. I don't believe it's COVID-19. I don't believe it's a virus. I don't believe it's a pandemic. I don't believe it's an election year. I don't think that's the problem. I think America has a problem with hate, with hate and with love, really. We've got such a problem with hate, we don't even know what it is anymore. Let me say before I even really get started this morning that chances are over the next five weeks that it's probably going to offend some people in here. It's going to convict some people in here because this has convicted me. And if it doesn't convict you at least a little bit, I'm probably not doing my job exactly right. But like I said, I believe America has a problem with hate. I believe the church has a problem with hate. We've got such a problem we don't even really know how to identify it. We've got such a problem, we've started taking down flags, we've started taking down statues, we've started renaming airports and institutions. We're doing everything we can to get rid of hate. But can I share with you this morning, look at this pulpit. This pulpit's made of wood, just like a flag's made of material, just like uh, a name is a name. Can I share with you this morning that this pulpit is an inanimate object? Just like a flag, this pulpit is incapable of expressing hate. However, the man behind it is fully capable of expressing hate. Just like the man or the woman that's flying the flag, be it a Confederate flag, an American flag, the Christian flag, you're absolutely capable of communicating hate. And you're also capable of communicating love as well. That's what's led me to this idea I've had for quite some time. And I just, I've had it on my heart a long time. And I just thought the time was right starting this week. 25 years ago, a man named Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. It's been incredibly successful. It's been on the New York Times bestsellers list. And it sold, I think, over 12 million copies. This book is primarily meant for couples to better communicate their love to one another. I highly recommend this book. If somebody came to me having trouble in their marriage, I would say, hey, take this book, you both read it. Dr. Chapman argues 
that everyone falls into one of his five categories, how we communicate love differently. But it's been on my mind for a long time, if we all show love in different ways, wouldn't the opposite be true? Wouldn't the opposite be true? What, are we, what if we're communicating hate in different ways? I mean, think about it. Really think about it. You don't have to say, I love you, to say, I love you. Just like you don't have to say, I hate you, to say, I hate you. And as Christians, we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. I really meditated on that this week, and I thought about that. Because here's the question. The, the question I began with, what is hate anyway? Well, I would define hate as the opposite of love, right? A lot of Christians, we, we get this idea, we get this idea of being in love. And I love my wife, and I love my children, and I'll use them as an example. Those in, you, in here that have children or have grandchildren, you know how I feel. You would give your life for your children. That is the kind of love, and we understand that. We understand the kind of love that the Father had for the Son, the kind of love Jesus had for us. And we get this idea that there is absolutely no way that I can love a stranger like that. I can't love a stranger like I love my children. I can't love a stranger like I love my spouse. I want to begin this morning, and I want to tell you that's, that's good news because we're not called to do that. We're called to simply love our neighbor as ourselves. What is hate? Hate is thinking of somebody less than you. Hate is not loving somebody like you love yourself. You don't have to elevate somebody above you to call that hate. You just have to look at somebody and say, they're not as good as you. They're not as smart as you. They are less than you. That's what hate is. We're called to love our neighbors just like we love ourselves. We're called to treat each other equally. And I want to do that. But I know, just like Dr. Gary Chapman said in his book, that actions speak louder than words. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what are our actions showing? So in this, in this sermon series, we're going to look at how we may be communicating hate without even trying to do so. And listen, I, I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I believe you can't fall in the middle. In America in 2020, you are one place or the other place. You're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And let me say this getting started. Dr. Chapman's book was primarily targeted towards married couples. But it can apply to every kind of relationship. Be it a relationship with a friend, you communicate love to a friend different. Be it a relationship with a child and a parent. Be it a relationship with a pastor and church member, or even, even our relationship with God Himself, how we show love or how we show hate applies anyway to any relationship. So over the next five weeks, unless God leads me elsewhere, we're going to look at how we're communicating to others. Are we communicating love or are we communicating hate? Be it to friends, parents, spouse, the lost, the saved, the black, the white, the Republican, the Democrat, are we communicating love or hate? It's a deep question. It's a hard question. The first, the first love language that Dr. Chapman mentions in his book is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. I believe, I believe, at least when it comes to receiving love, this is where I fall under. I love getting gifts. And I love getting cards, 
But for me, what makes me feel the most loved ever since I was a little child is just getting a pat on the back saying, man, you did a good job. I mean, literally, one of my favorite, favorite times of the week is standing at the end of the door and saying, man, you did a good job, Kevin. Makes me feel good. I mean, literally, more than any gift. I think Carissa can attest to this. But just like that is my love language, what makes me feel the most loved, I want to tell you this morning, the opposite is true, too. What makes me feel the most hated is words of defamation. And I could tell you that's been the truth for me ever since I was a little boy. It hurts. Words hurt. So I want to ask the question this morning, does it really matter? Does our speech really matter? And I want you to leave here this morning, and I want you to understand that how we speak absolutely really matters and I've got a few examples. But the first example I want you to read is in 2 Kings chapter 2. It's, it's a story, man. If you want to share a story about bullying, this is the story to share. It's a story of a man named Elisha. Elisha studied under the prophet Elijah. And Elijah, man, he was a household name. Elijah, I mean, he really looked like a forerunner to Jesus. He just did all kinds of miracles. He stood up for God. He showed the, the people that our God is the God. He was, like I said, he was a household name. Well, Elijah gets taken up to heaven, and the man named Elisha asks for a double blessing. And Elisha is there, and he watches Elijah go off into heaven. And now Elisha continues the story. He becomes the great prophet. He becomes the forerunner to God. And it's very interesting to see how his ministry begins. It says in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. And he said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out of the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the words of Elisha which he spoke. And then he went up from there to Bethel, or Bethel. And as he was going up the road, some youth came from the city and mocked him, saying to him, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Then he went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. Man, what a story. What a story. Now, some things you ought to know about this story. People will take this and they'll twist it and they'll say, man, you don't serve a God of love. You serve a God of hate. They'll say that Elisha was an old man, but if you do some, di some deeper study, you'll find that Elisha was probably the same age as these other children. For we know that he served three kings, and we have the dates on this. So Elisha, even though apparently he was bald, he was still a young man. But what gets me about this story, Elisha was doing nothing wrong. Elisha was just trying to serve the Lord with all his heart. He was going where God told him to go. He was doing what God told him to do. He was doing a work for the people. When he was approached by a gang of bullies trying to stop the Lord's work. 42, at least 42 against one. 
And it may have been 142. We don't know how many it was. But we know that Elisha, he was greatly outnumbered. And what did these young boys do? They didn't pick up stones. They didn't pick up bows and arrows. They didn't go at him with their fists. They went at him with their words. Can I tell you this morning that words hurt? And can I tell you that words have serious, serious consequences? If you do a little bit more study, and it might be in the bottom of your commentary, this was really God keeping his word. For God said in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 21, this is an NIV version. He said, if you remain hostile toward me and refuse to listen to me, I will multiply your affliction seven times over. As your sins deserve, I will send wild animals against you, and they will rob you of your children, destroy your cattle, and make you so few in numbers, your roads will be deserted. God said it. He said, listen, if you remain hostile towards me, I'm going to send wild animals, and they'll take your children out. What I want you to get from that story, especially the Leviticus verse, is that words of defamation are considered hostile towards God. It's considered hostile towards God. When we talk about the man of God, when we talk about the children of God, when we talk about the people of God, you just read it. God considers it hostile towards him. So listen, church, think about that. And young ones, teenagers especially, I know how the world talks. But you need to think about this the next time you're tempted to attack the messenger of God. You need to think about this the next time you're tempted to, to gossip, the next time you're tempted to, to talk about any person. Because God considers it very serious when you attack somebody with your tongue. I want you to understand this morning, if that doesn't prove it, that words are so very powerful. They're so very powerful. Many of you probably already know this little passage, but I'd like you to turn there and see it in James chapter 3. The little... The little letter from John, James, I'm sorry, James, the brother of Jesus. He addresses many things in this book, but I think more than anything else, he really, he harps down on how believers are talking. Now, we know the world talks a certain way. There's even a phrase for it. You're talking like a bunch of sailors. And we know that, that the world talks a certain way. And that's why James, he begins in James chapter 3, verse 1. He addresses his brethren. He is addressing Christians. He says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. 
It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. Listen, man, is, is there any doubt? Is there any doubt that words are so very powerful? I mean, I thought about it this week. Think about it. Go back to the Ten Commandments. Did you know two of the Ten Commandments deal with what we say? One is thou shalt not lie. How do we lie? But with our tongues. Or what about thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain? How do we take the Lord's name in vain but by our tongue? Listen, don't let anybody tell you that, that words aren't powerful. You don't believe me? Believe Jesus. Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Listen. Don't be under the assumption that how you talk does not matter. Don't think for a minute that others are not affected by how you speak. Isn't it blatantly obvious that words of defamation are a hate language? Now James, he said something interesting. He said, listen, look at this big old ship. It's controlled by a rudder. My question this morning that I want to be able to apply to our lives, what can we do to stay away from this hate language. I posted online this week, and many of you saw it. Some of you may have commented on it. I don't even know. And none of the answers really surprised me. I said, what's the most hateful thing anybody has ever said to you? Some said, some said things that just seemed incredibly hateful. Some said things that, you know, the person may have not meant to be hateful. But you know what I found to be the most interesting? Do you know the one that was liked the most, that was loved the most? The one that was liked and loved the most, which I take it to mean the one that was related to the most, was the one that put church hurt. The one that put, I felt hated by the things somebody told me inside the very house of God. All the other ones. Even the one that said, I flat out hate you. Nobody really related with that. But when it came to what happened with God's people in God's house, everybody got that because everybody knows exactly what that's like. If you want to look back in James, and James, it's amazing how old this Bible is, and he addresses it so perfectly. If you turn back to James chapter 1 and verse 26, he says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Listen, we can do our best to show love. We can do our best to say I love you. But when we don't watch what we say, when we use these words of defamation, it makes our religion, it makes our churches, it makes Christianity as a whole useless. Nobody wants to be a part of a body that talks like the world. Nobody wants to be a part uh, of a group of people that talks bad about another group of people. So how do we right the ship? 
How do we write the ship? Just a few things that, that I think we could do that's so very easy. It doesn't require a whole lot of work at all. Here's number one. Think about it. Just really think before you speak. Think before you speak. Take a breath. Think about it before you speak. The question we have to ask ourselves, is my speech, is what I'm about to say, is it about to bring glory to God or hurt God? You know, one of the worst things, what has contributed to this? We have got to a place in our country where everybody curses, where everybody talks bad about each other, where everybody has no filter whatsoever, where everybody posts whatever they want to on social media. In my research for this, you know what I found? Teenage and young adult suicide has went up by over 50% since 2007. You know what happened in 2007? The iPhone was released. And teenagers and young adults, they get on there all the time and they see hurtful words. Our very own president, he posts some of the most hateful stuff I have ever seen. And he might be the best president America has ever had, but listen to me. It does not excuse words of defamation. And the absolute worst thing you can do as a Christian is to ask yourself what would Trump say instead of what would Jesus say. Because let me tell you something, you can dislike Joe Biden all you want to, but Jesus came, bled, and died for him, and it is not excuse to defame a man's character just because you don't like what he says. There is a right way to deal with things, and there is a wrong way to deal with things. And let me tell you, I've seen Christians say a whole lot worse things about Joe Biden than these group of people did said about Elisha. It's not right. We've got to make a point to show love. And not just say love. What would Jesus say? Would Jesus call this person or this people group by this names or by this name? And let me just say, here, here's the question that arises this morning. Well, Brother Kevin, what does that mean? Does that mean we just affirm whatever? Does that mean we just affirm sin? Does that mean we say, well, hey, you know what? God loves you and everything's okay and you, everything's fine with this lifestyle or that lifestyle. No, doesn't mean that. That means whenever we have an issue, we have an issue and we talk it out in love. Adam was talking this morning how he would like to just sit down with, with somebody with a different political view with him and just talk to him. And look, I submit to you this morning, you can talk to somebody in a way of love and not a way of hate. If you're talking to somebody that has a different political view than you, you could, how about say this, just say, hey, I don't understand it. I'm a Christian and the Bible says that, that before he formed me in the womb, he knew me. And I, don't, I can't vote for somebody that's okay with killing somebody in the womb. That's not a word of defamation. That's a word of truth. It's not a word of defamation to say the Bible says marriage is between one man and one woman. There's a difference between words of offense and words of hate. It's offensive that the Bible says that Jesus is the only way to heaven, but that is not a hate speech. That's a true speech. Let me continue this morning and let me say that words of defamation include curse words. People defend cursing by saying the Bible doesn't mention them. Can I also share with you the Bible doesn't mention pornography. The Bible doesn't mention methamphetamines. The Bible doesn't mention a lot of things. But the Bible does say we're not of the world. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to talk different. And when you talk like the world, that's, that's a hate language. The whole world's speech is a hate language. 
Used to, when I was growing up, we watched TV, and that was regulated by the FCC. They couldn't say such words. Now everybody in here, y'all hardly watch that. We watch Netflix, and I do too. I do too, but we watch it, and that's not filtered at all. So we hear how the world speaks, and what happens, we take it in, and we speak like the world speaks, a language of hate. You wouldn't say those words if they were considered acceptable. You're better than that. You're not part of the world. Stop the gossip. Gossiping about others is as bad as cursing and bullying others. It absolutely is. When you're defaming a man or a woman's character that doesn't have a way to defend themselves, that's a hate speech. That's a, that's a language of hate. What would happen if a visitor came to church this Sunday and they heard you talking bad about somebody or a bunch of somebodies? And guess what? They happen to be related to them. Maybe they've got somebody in their family like that. You think they'd come back to this church? You think they'd give Christ a chance when they hear a Christ follower gossiping about somebody else that has no way to defend themselves? James was so right. People that can't control their tongue has a, a useless religion. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to talk about the acts of others. There's things that arises in a church that's, sure, that's true. There's, there's sin that arises and things need to be called out. But there's a way to do it out of love and not hate. I want to encourage you, man, to use your tongue. Right the ship. Build, build up instead of tear down. Try to use that tongue to give some compliments this week. Talk about the good others are doing, the good others have done. Use your tongue to build up Jesus. You've got a story. You've got a testimony if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Man, why don't we talk about him? There's nothing more loving a person, a Christian, can do than share about Jesus. Man, I could go on and I could go on and I could go on because this whole Bible, this whole Bible gives story after story about hate speech. But this whole, this whole series and, and Gary Chapman's book deals about one thing and this is the truth. Is that no matter what you say, no matter what I say behind the pulpit, our actions... Speak louder than our words. Our actions speak louder than our words. Can any of you deny that this morning? So, this is how we talk to others. This is how we talk to our spouse. This is how we talk to our enemies. What are your actions communicating to Jesus? Because, hey, I really think that's the most important thing through all this. When Jesus Christ is examining my life what are my actions saying to Jesus think about it I study it some of us including myself at times or at least at one point in time my life is communicating has communicated a word of defamation to Jesus Christ itself I'm convinced that the most Powerful and the worst word of defamation there is when it comes to Jesus is no. It's no. Every Sunday all across America there's an altar call given. And there's people who claim to know Jesus. And there's people that want to know Jesus. And their actions speak a resounding no. Altar calls given and 
uh, opportunity is presented to, to join a church, to say, hey, I want to be part of this church, this body of believers. I want to build it up. I want to serve. And you know you feel led to do that. You know the Bible says so, but you don't do it. And when you don't do it, that's just telling Jesus, no, I'm not doing it. No, Jesus, I'm not going to join that church. I know that the Bible says that I should be baptized. I know every believer in the New Testament was doing it. I know that I'm able to do it. I know that the pastor will do it. I know that the church will rejoice with me. But no, Jesus, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So it's on me. No. I know the Bible says I'm supposed to take up my cross and follow you. And I know I have absolutely no trouble doing what my boss tells me to do. I have no trouble doing what my coach tells me to do. I don't have any problem doing what my dad tells me to do. But you want me to follow you? No. What a word of hate. You want me to love my neighbor? I know the word says that. I know that you've been very clear who my neighbor is. And I know you say I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. But I'm not doing it. No. No. No, no. But the absolute worst no I can possibly imagine is to say, I know Jesus. I know he came. I know he lived perfect. I know he died on the cross. And I know he rose again. And I know about grace. I know why he did it. And I know it's available. But I'm not ready to accept it. I know you did it for me, Jesus. But no. No. What a slap in the face. What a hate language to tell somebody that was literally crucified for you. No. Why would you do that? Why would you do that except, except to communicate hate? can't imagine. How would you feel if you gave your everything to somebody to give them a better life, to give them a hope, to give them an eternity, and they just say no to it? Man, I'd feel hated. I'll just... I'll close it out this morning. And I'll close it out and I'll just say what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Jesus said, For the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What's in your heart? Thanks for listening to The Riverwalk today. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I hope you can apply it to your lives. A lot of times we say things we don't really mean. If you have done that, I encourage you to reach out and ask for forgiveness. And I hope you'll start today trying to think before you speak, trying to speak in love. And for goodness sakes, let's show love by avoiding the hate language, words of defamation. I love you. I'm praying for you. And join us next week as we discover the next hate language. Have a great week.